women who have survived unthinkable and unspeakable violence behind the closed doors of their own homes are speaking out more than ever before. This podcast is dedicated to sharing the stories and journeys of women survivors turned entrepreneurs and how they use their strength and tenacity to help other women move from surviving to thriving. Welcome to Flow Rising. This show contains adult topics and often contains triggering stories. Audience discretion is advised. This episode is proudly sponsored by A Contagious Smile Podcast. A Contagious Smile is a platform that assists both special needs families and survivors of domestic violence. Through her podcast, Victoria helps shine the spotlight on amazing individuals who've battled through hell, conquered it, and now want to share their stories so you too can find your inner light. Find, follow, and listen to a Contagious Smile podcast on your favorite podcast platform. and the host of Flow Rising. Today, I'm excited to be joined by my guest, Kimberly Henry. Kimberly, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. So thank you so much for joining me on the show today to talk a little bit about your story as far as being a survivor and the amazing things that you are doing in your life now that we have gone from surviving to thriving and all the wonderful things you do. So before we get started diving into your personal story, share with the audience just a little bit about um, what it is that you do for a living. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate being here with you. And I am now a memoir writing coach, more or less. People have three ways of working with me. They can do it themselves. They can do it with me to where I'm using those skills and um, expertise on how to coach through what comes up with writing memoirs. Mm -hmm. Or I can do it for them because each person is in a different point of their life, especially entrepreneurs, because we all have so much going on. So how this came about just a little bit is I wrote my memoir when we went into lockdown with COVID. I was in uh, transformation work. Mm-hmm. And they wanted us, as they said, do a butt puckering goal. <laughs> I've had those before. <laughs> and I knew that I've always had a story to write. It was getting over some major limiting beliefs. One yeah. is who's going to want to read it. Yeah. Because there's so many people who have gone through domestic violence. There's so many people who have had alcoholics in their family. And so once I got that, my whole thing is like, say you pick up my story and you read it and then you see a space where, wow, if she can do it, then I can do it. That's my whole goal. (laughs) How many survivors I meet that have that. If I could help one person just get through, it's so great. Yeah, that's, so that's how it really came about is that once I wrote mine, I was like, wow, if I can write mine, then I can help somebody else write theirs. Yes, that's fantastic. <laughs> so I'm guessing your memoir is out there. What is the title of your book? Well, it's in progress. Aha. What will be the title of your book? Do you have a working title? Yeah, I'm going with Return to Self. Mm, All right. Coming of my journey of being disconnected from myself to now coming back to who I am. Yeah. Yeah. So share with us, you know, and I tell people and their guests here, however much, however little, however you want to share your story, it's your story to, to share. But I know, as you kind of alluded, that 
you were young. You're like me. You're sort of started at 20 as my story did too. So I get that you're super young, meet a human being that turns out to, well, not be the person that you thought they were, I'm guessing. So share your story about uh, walking through domestic violence and how, I mean, obviously it was years later that you got into the memoir writing, but how that really kind of showed up for you in your life, um, you know, and, and working through that journey um, yourself. Well, we get to rewind all the ways back to when I was born, because yeah. when I came, when I came into the world, my parents weren't heavy drinkers. It was mm. as they went through their experiences that the drinking became more heavy. So yeah. domestic violence was already in the home when I was a little girl, yeah. because I witnessed when they would get, when they would be drunk and they would have their emotions going through because of course, being intoxicated, heavily intoxicated, the emotions wouldn't run even higher than a normal person. <laughs> so I have memories of like in our living room, they would toss things at each other. Mm -hmm. And so being a little girl, I was probably like four, maybe five. Yeah. I didn't know what to do other than literally stop, cry and run. Because <laughs> it was yeah. just like the world was chaos for me. I had no idea. So I went through a whole journey that I now realize in my 40s, I have always been the caretaker for everyone. Yeah. I took care of both of my parents. I basically felt responsible for the world. I felt mm -hmm. responsible for my older sister. Uh, I took uh, care of my grandmother. I mean, it's just gone on to where I have been that one in the family that I feel, and I'm still like this. I want everybody to love each other. Like, why can't we all just be kumbaya? Yeah, I hear you. That was, that was my, my childhood and my role too. And mine wasn't abuse like that. My, I had a narcissistic mom, but same thing. I was the caretaker, yeah. took care of the family. So how do you think that having a, the, the childhood, because a lot of people I talked to who are survivors had childhood traumas. Do you think that directly, like, do you think it was inevitable that you would have ended up in a traumatic marriage or a violent marriage? Or do you just think that to you at that time, it was just like, it was sort of normalized? Yeah. If you look at the stats, it's significantly high that yeah. especially the more of around that, especially alcoholics, the more that mm -hmm. you're around it, the more you're going to repeat the patterns that you know. So I, it was inevitable that I was going to repeat patterns because I was resistant to really doing the work. Sure. The only way I got through the four years of high school was having a counselor at school. Mm. And I was kind of doing what he was guiding me to do, yeah. but I was so entwined into the codependency yeah. that I really felt like I wanted to fix them. I yeah. really, I now realize after all the work that I've done, that's really a mindset in itself that mm -hmm. feeling the need to fix people. Yeah. So it, it was really like, until I got to that point where I was willing to take responsibility for my own mindset and mm -hmm. how I've enabled the mm -hmm. family it, yeah. that that's when it was just like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I in these relationships? Why have I created these relationships? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was much older than you were when, you know, so we're, you know, I know that, you know, you were in, you were married, obviously you, you shared with, with me and we'll share with the audience that you're 
you know, your spouse, the husband that you chose was an alcohol or was he a drug addict, I think? Well, I didn't marry him. I had a child with him. Yeah, oh, yeah, the child with him. There we go. Yep. And I believe he also drank, but the drug yeah. was the big thing of how he chose to check out. Yes. Yeah. So what was the catalyst? I, I love asking people this because it fascinates me. What was the catalyst yeah. for you choosing to take you and your daughter away from that situation and, and move into something different in life? This is always interesting to me. It was his mother. Really? Okay. Yeah. How'd that happen? Uh, it was a normal thing where he told me he was doing one thing. I think he had told me at the time he got a pizza delivery job. And yeah. I didn't believe him. Yeah. You know, So yeah. she called me and said, what's going on? And my daughter was sleeping. And I said, it's the normal thing. He tells me he's doing this and I don't believe him. I have no idea where he is. And so then she said, you know, my granddaughter deserves better. You deserve better. He's only going to take you down. I love my son, but I know that he's going to drag you down. So you need to do what's best for you and the baby, because I don't want my granddaughter being dragged down. So I hung up the phone. I called my mom, that phone call she had been waiting for. I'm like, can you come pick us up? Because I'm ready to go. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I never so, looked back. I went through years, like mm -hmm. 16, 17 years. Because, of course, yeah. then the abuse doesn't stop that moment. The abuse worsens. And, yeah. And, and I didn't have a plan. Mm. So I didn't prepare it for already. Because, again, I thought that I could fix him. And I thought that, you know, those threats could do something, whatever. You typically hear that. I hear that from other women. So, yeah. And so it was just constant uh, child protective calls, making accusations against me. Oof. Yeah. We had some uh, dealings with the police. And even mm -hmm. though he was in the wrong, he tried to flip it on the police. He tried to flip it on me. Yeah. So it was just a, numerous things over the years. Yeah. And it, sadly, I think that the, we don't talk about that a lot as to no. what happens afterwards. Um, you know, my situation, I actually, I was married and I stayed for 18 years. Okay. Um, even though the abuse started very, very early on in the, you know, in the relationship, just a few months in. Um, yeah. But it did, it was interesting to me how even after all of that time, the three yep. years I've been away, how it, it just, it hasn't, luckily it was nothing as bad as CPS being called. I have an older child, but still it's yeah. the, you know, the, the texts and the messages and the, the constant victimization. And when did you find yourself and maybe it was right away, but when do you really kind of remember finding yourself starting to like, like you said, taking that mindset and, and changing it from I can fix them to that's not my problem. Well, I had left that relationship and got into another relationship with a man that was using drugs. Yeah. And then got out of that relationship and found myself like, okay, I'm going to focus on my daughter. Like, yeah. I don't know what the heck I'm doing with these guys. Like, I, I don't know what is up with me. So I stayed single for a long period of time. And then I met a man that I 
did choose to be in a relationship with that was more or less a father figure for my daughter because she was so young when I met him that it took me 14 years to realize it was repeating a relationship I had with my father. Wow. I convinced myself there was yeah. no drugs, there was no alcohol. However, it was a workaholic oh. and someone who is emotionally unavailable. Mm -hmm. So it literally took my daughter to go to college. She went away on the other side of the world. Wow. And for her, that was a whole identity thing for me mm -hmm. because all of a sudden someone who's been my life for 18 years yeah. is now away doing her thing. It really left me like, what am I doing? I don't know who I am. I don't know what I like. I don't know what I dislike. And then I looked at him totally different because then mm -hmm. I was looking at myself totally different. Mm -hmm. And all of these triggers kept happening. Yeah. And it was triggers associated with my father. So, yeah, I was just like, wow, are you kidding me? I convinced myself that it wasn't domestic violence. Yep. Because there was no drugs and no alcohol. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 you, and you, it's so funny that you say that because I, I mean, I, I'm in a, I'm actually engaged to be married and, you know, I said I'm three years out, you know, of the, yeah. my, my ex relationship, but I'm with someone who, Absolutely. I mean, just 100% not, and you know, that I can actually be in a healthy relationship with, but I look at the, the people I tried at first. And I think because uh, like you, like, because I stayed for so long that for me, it was like, you know, I had, had amassed the, I understood what was wrong yeah. with all that. So, but I would attract people and it would be, yeah, a workaholic or, you know, a verbal abuser or an emotional abuser. And you're just like, what? And then you finally realize, well, maybe there's, there's some personal work to do. So share with us a little bit about, you know, I don't, I don't know how long it's been for you, but share with us some of that personal journey that once you had that, oh my gosh, yeah, I, I, I there's no drugs and alcohol for me. It was, yeah, they're not hitting me, but at the same time, it's still abusive. And what has, what has been some things that you've done in your own healing journey that, you know, that have helped you um, move forward? Well, it really was being willing to look at who am I? Mm. I really allowed myself to go to different local groups. This was pre-COVID. Yeah. So I really went to spirituality groups. I was already, I'm a poet, so I already had been writing poetry. So I went mm -hmm. back into that community of being around those folks I just went to different things to yeah. experience different people and different experiences and got clear on, okay, I don't like that. Oh, that mm -hmm. really speaks to me. And then looking at why does that speak to me? What part mm -hmm. of me really likes that? And so I found that the sound, especially music, but sound mm -hmm. really helps me to feel better. And really getting into those practices like meditation mm -hmm. that supports me and so mm -hmm. then that led me into i mean by the time my daughter came home from freshman year she did her freshman year in florence italy by wow. the time she came home she was so mad at me because she didn't recognize me we laugh about it now but she was so infuriated with me because she's like i don't know who you are how yeah. how is it that i knew you for 18 years and then one year i'm away and i don't know who you are <laughs> <laughs> that actually speaks a lot about you there, Kimberly. That's, that's a, you did some work in that year. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I really allowed myself to grieve all of the grieving that I hadn't done because that was the mm-hmm. whole thing. I wasn't checking out through drugs, alcohol, or food. But I was numbing myself in different ways because I did. I was always afraid of what would come up once I faced it. So like my mom had died in 2013. I mm. ended up moving into the house that I bought for her and yeah. having now living somewhere where she lived, I, yeah. I could, I couldn't check out from not yeah. grieving. So there were like so many weekends I allowed myself to just stay in my pajamas in bed and cry mm-hmm. all day long. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm laughing at this, but I've been, I'm actually in a grief. I'm in a, and you can understand this grief is sort of a never ending thing. You just learn, yeah. you learn to live with it. And so I happen as we are actively recording this today actually happens to be a grief day for me and, oh, and I still have to work. And there was a time not so long ago, a year or so ago, I would have just canceled the day we would have rescheduled. And i I've learned it's okay. I can still show up. Yeah. It's okay. I can still well, be. I appreciate you sharing that yeah. because yeah. I'll, I'll be totally transparent with you. I had an experience yesterday that I saw family that I haven't seen. Yeah. And I woke up this morning just feeling so down. Yeah. It was like a heaviness. Yeah. And it's not like the, the previous old me feeling down. Nope. I know you get this. I don't know I if do. it's going to make sense to your listeners. Our, our listeners are just like us, so we get it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I gave myself permission to do a 10-minute meditation yeah. before this, and oh. I allowed myself to cry because <laughs> it was really what came up is by seeing my family members, the one part of my life that I have never felt belonged in is my family. Yep. I now feel so belonged like even yeah. in a podcast community, I love all of you. Yeah, this is so much fun being on podcasts. Mm-hmm. I'm around so many like-minded people, yeah. and it's so healing. So it's so many facets of my life now. I finally feel like I belong. Yeah. Yet the people I so want to feel belonged in is my family. Family. <laughs> I I get that. Like I said, I totally totally. It's interesting to me how I mean, and that's really why I changed because this podcast. I've always done entrepreneurial podcasts, but this one is the first season. I'm taking all the stuff and going all of me showing up, including the survivor, because of this. Because there's so much resonance that we feel. You know, I can explain to you, I'm having a grief day and you know what I mean. And that's hard for other humans who, you know, and and I am so grateful that not all of us have gone through trauma. Like the world would be way worse if all of us had to. But those of us who did, we understand that, like you said, you gave yourself permission to cry. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of strength. I did it. I did it yesterday where I, same kind of thing. I can't always meditate. So I put on intentionally you talked about music. I intentionally listen to music that is the mood I am in, not how I want to feel. Because yeah. I had a therapist tell me one time, she goes, so when you're down and sad and grieving, put on some really upbeat, happy music. And I just, I couldn't. No. I was I like, I want so to feel it. I want to cry. So yeah. I actually have love song, breakup song playlist on my Spotify. And when I want to cry, yeah. I put it on and I, but I don't do the like negative dwelling on the relationship and the, I miss him. And I did that, you know, years ago, but, 
but I let myself cry because there's something super powerful and cathartic about that grieving and just letting it move through your body. Yeah. Um, I so myself to do it before meeting with you because like you were saying, your old self would have canceled. My old yep. self would have been like, oh my gosh, I'm way too emotional. I can't show yep. up because what if it looks like I'm crying? What if I look like I'm a mess? Yeah. <laughs> Nope. No, I like in, bet in between today, I was crying with a friend earlier today and, and just touched up my makeup. I'm like, okay, we're, yeah, but it is true. And I think it's so important for survivors out there listening to hear this. You can still be going through it and still find ways to show up, but you have to take care of yourself. Five minutes in the bathroom, touch your makeup up, go out and rock it. You know, there's still ways to be in that emotional healing space and not wipe out your day. Although I will tell you, there's something amazing about the weekends where you just sit in your pajamas and cry all weekend and give yourself permission to do that too. The, the, the grieving can kind of take its own space, but um, how has your, you know, taking on this writing your memoir? Because they think a lot of survivors have this desire to tell my story. And then they kind of go, but who, like you said, who wants to hear? There's so many, you know, I, I say, oh, people had it worse than me, or you know, there's all these excuses. But how has that helped you by tackling this and taking on helping others? How's that really helped you in your own healing journey? Sure. So that was only one part of it, where who's going to want to read it, what really was on the deeper end of it. And I hear this so often, and I see it from people I meet with, is what I've mentioned before, that fear of what is going to surface once I get into it, because mm -hmm. you're going to write about experiences that you don't want to relive. And by writing it, it feels like you're reliving it. Yeah. So that's where the coming in and working with me is supportive because you're getting that support of like helping people with working through those emotional challenges that come up. Because yeah. yes, you may feel like you're reliving it, but the factual part of it is it's so cathartic to put it on paper and work through it because you're allowing yourself to see the bigger picture of what you experienced. Mm -hmm. Where you were then is totally different than where you are now. I know I'm not that young one anymore. There are times where I'm that five-year-old Kimmy. Yeah. <laughs> that that, that, that five-year-old still lives in there. Yep. My fiance tells me all the time, your little one needs love, love on her. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I really found that it was so cathartic. It's much more deeper than just writing. Yeah. No, and I think that's, that's a good point that it, yeah. it's that catharsis. Yeah. So for example, I was really resistant to writing about my domestic violence relationship. And I know that it's there from growing up. However, allowing myself to really see the trauma that I experienced with my daughter's father mm -hmm. was eye-opening because she also experienced abuse as a little one. I did so much work. I took all of it. However, there's still that part of the story to where she did experience something. Mm -hmm. So I called her and I asked her for permission Yeah, because I was like, I don't want to put this out there. I didn't want to put it on paper and not put it out to the world. Yeah. If I want to put it on paper, I want to put it out. Yep. So I'm like, are you okay with this being put out? Because if yeah. you're not in a place yet in your life where you feel okay with yep. that, then I'm not going forward with this. Yep. And, I, and I can accept that 
because this is something I can work on later. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, this is part of your journey. This is part of your healing. So if you feel like you need to do this and it can help somebody else, then yeah, totally do it. Once I wrote it and once I went through it and allowed myself to cry and allow myself to really feel all of those feelings. Yeah. But the bigger part was when I went through all of that, my friends and my coworkers kept saying to me, how are you showing up to work every day? Mm-hmm. How are you still bringing the kid to all of her activities? How are you still showing up the way you are? And I didn't get that then because I was literally surviving moment by moment. Yep. Now, 20 years, over 20 years later, now that I wrote it, the first thing I did was call my daughter and be like, now I get why people was asking me that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I... It's interesting how I, I am not at a place where I'm ready. It's it's so interesting to me how I, I feel like when I do it, it's actually going to be more like this, where when I finally tell my story, I'm actually going to just do it on video. There's something, I I resist the writing piece, but I can hop in a video and I've started doing video personal journals because I couldn't, like, I couldn't get the writing out, but I could just turn on the camera and talk. So that's how I've tackled that piece of it. But it's so interesting that you talk about that catharsis because I've, you know, like I said, I've got 18 years uh, to go through with me. And, you know, when I was pregnant, uh, my son, we left when I was, he was 10. So there was, you know, years of all of that and then going all the way back. But what I found myself yesterday, I just, I did this, it it, it was a TikTok because I make content, but it was a love letter to my younger self. And I was talking to that 20 year old um, because I look back and I'm just like, you had the entire world in front of you. But if it wasn't him, because of my childhood, it would have been somebody else. And so I look back and just, yeah, it is interesting how, I love what you're doing is you're helping people through that process. um, Because there's there's something very healing about that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Finding that. Yeah, huge part of it. And the bigger piece of it is allowing myself to give myself grace my family grace. And I went into my lineage and Megan, I was thrown off so big on the amount of grief that the women in my lineage have had to deal with. And it gave me that clarity of understanding like why my mom was the way she was. She was always at arm's length with grandchildren, with us, like with my grandparents, like, and the fact is, is that she was, she, all of her family died before she was 40. Wow. So I went back to her mother. Her yeah. mother was a year old when her mother died. Wow. She was abducted by her uncle and her aunt. And by the time she was 30, all of her family died. Wow. So it goes way back. And so there's something so powerful about having that understanding and that clarity because I feel it in my body now speaking to you about that forgiveness because my grandmother only knew what she knew my mother only knew what she knew and nobody talked about grief no until like the 80s and it wasn't even talked about in the 80s no (laughs) no it was not when we were when we were young it was not talked about no I look I I've gone back, uh, to my great grandmother. And Mm -hmm. so in my situation, yeah, my, none of the women in my family ever wanted to have kids, including me. Oh, wow. 
We, none of us wanted them. Wow. The women before me felt they didn't have a choice. Now, in some regards, my great-grandmother, okay, we're talking a Victorian woman. Yeah, no, she didn't really have a choice. Yeah. You know, my grandmother, you know, a war war woman, like World War II, World War she didn't have a choice in the 40s. Yeah. Like, that was not, you know, my grandmother talks about how she wanted to own a business. She, that was wow. not a choice. Now, and I, it was a choice, but it would have been an extraordinarily hard road to hoe. And again, going back lineage, she had inherited her mother's grief and rage and, and mothered and just passed on. I said, the best thing I ever did was not have a daughter. Yeah. Not intentional, but I have a son. I'm the only one in seven generations to not have a girl. That is so interesting because I did not want a girl. I wanted a boy because we have all girls, except yep. for my nieces had children and they yep. both, their first child was boys. Boys. And I was, I was, I told my daughter, I was upset no. the day that I was told I was having a girl. I cried mm -hmm. my eyes out because I wanted to be the one in the family to break the cycle of break the cycle <laughs> of the girl. And I look at that and it's so interesting how there's just that physical, like lineage break, but then also that you and I are that, that human in the generation that's like, I heal and it heals all the, the way back. Like it, it heals. Um, but it's so interesting how, yeah, there was, you know, like I said, there was this, this thing that came from generation to generation. And I, I'm, I don't know if men pass it. I can only speak from a woman's perspective because I'm a woman, yeah. but that it does lead us. Like you said, that childhood, you know, your mother was the way she was because of her childhood and her mother's childhood and her mother's mother's childhood. And then all of it, piles up to you being brave enough to being like, nope, I'm, I'm moving on and moving forward. So talk to us a little bit about, um, working with you. So for women out there, and I know you don't only work with women. My audience is largely women though, um, who are listening to this and they're thinking, gosh, I would just, I would love to be able to, to tell my story, to, to write my story. How can people actually get connected with you to find out more about you helping them with their own memoir? Sure. So the website, and I have to give you the HTTPS because it still is that, even though nobody <laughs> says that anymore. Yes. <laughs> so it's the whole HTTPS semicolon forward slash forward slash. Yeah. KimberlyHenryCoaching.com. And Kimberly the description is if you go to KimberlyHenryCoaching.com, you're not going to get me. You're going to get some other Kimberly Henry. <laughs> it's funny because that one's not secure. Yours is secure. We know tech. <laughs> so to make it super easy. That link is actually right down in the show notes right below. So whether you're watching or listening, tap the link and you can actually connect right with Kimberly there to get connected with her because I think it is super important for all survivors to tell their stories writing video, because the more that we share, the more that it brings that light to, Hey, I didn't, I I'm not actually alone. I felt like my entire journey was alone, but there are actually sadly millions of us. And more importantly, there are millions of us who are connected and bonded together through our own surviving stories. Um, Megan, I don't want to forget. I have a free ebook for your listeners. Free ebooks. We love free ebooks. Yay. So go to my link. They're going to see a button on there for five ways to recover from your personal trauma. Perfect. And they can download the, the ebook. That is a fantastic resource because all of us, you know, whether you, again, if whether it was violence or alcoholism or verbal abuse, trauma is 
prevalent in our society, sadly. And so that's a great resource to get the free ebook. So I'll make sure to, to put all that information in those show notes so people can get access to that. Um, so I thank you for coming and sharing your story with the audience, um, sharing a little bit about how you help other survivors, other storytellers out there who are ready to share their own stories. Um, again, if you can help one person share their story so they can have their own healing journey, I think that that makes it all worth it in the end. Yeah. And for your listeners that are ready to go for it, they can schedule a free discovery call with me. Perfect. And talk about it more, what, what they want and how it would work and Fantastic. Kimberly, thank you so much for joining me and being my guest. I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit and your story, and I love what you're doing in the world. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much. Yes. To my listeners, thank you for joining us. I am wishing you peace, love, and flow, and may your flow be ever rising. Until next time. Mm -hmm.